This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Today we're opening up Big Stone Gap by Adriana Trigiani. It's a heartwarming small town story set around the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. It's also a New York Times bestseller that's been made into a movie. We'll look at a historical fiction series by Australian author Blanche de Apulgé, who also happens to be the wife of the legendary and recently departed former Prime Minister Bob Hawke. The Lion's Torment, the third book in her Birth of the Plantagenet series, has just been released. I've wolfed down the latest offering from Australia's new queen of crime fiction, Jane Harper. I thoroughly enjoyed the outback Queensland setting of The Lost Man. And don't say we didn't warn you, we're going to divulge some highly personal information in this episode, our fictional crushes, the characters we fall in love with, care to be too much about and frankly hope to marry one day. But first, let's hear from Big Stone Gap by Adriana Trigiani. For the first time in my life, I feel the thread of who I am unravel. I'm one of those people who swear she knows herself well, who in any given situation you'd be described and counted on to behave in a certain way. I never yell at people, nor do I make speeches. When things get tense, I usually make a joke, so everyone will feel at ease. But something beyond defending Pearl, beyond standing up for what is right, compelled me to speak. Where did she come from? Who is this voice that isn't going to make nice anymore, but will tell the truth? It isn't Fred Mulligan's daughter. I think of Mario De Shapiro, my father, the man in the picture. Why have I tried to put him aside, thinking him dead, gone, uninterested in the likes of me? But suddenly I know, and I am sure of it as I am sure of myself standing here, that my father is alive, and he is well, and I must find him. I put my hand on my chest, expecting another anxiety attack to come, but it does not. Practical Ava Maria must go. Me. The never-married town pharmacist who was never caught without her first aid kit. Me. So responsible she carries two spare tires in her Jeep instead of one. Me. Who has double insurance on everything because she's afraid one of the companies will go out of business and leave me penniless after a flood. Me. The girl who built her life so carefully she never had to ask anybody for anything. I have had it with me. Whoever I was. Get mad of her, Maria. You're alone in this world. You were abandoned. Let that anger fuel the job you must do. Find him. Find your father. That's from Big Stone Gap by Adriana Trigiani, a heartwarming small town story set in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. It's been described as a delightfully quirky gem of a book. It tells the story of a 35-year-old single woman, Ava Maria Mulligan, and how her life suddenly changes when a long-kept secret is revealed. Hey, Natasha. Hi, Katrina. Now, had you heard much about this before you picked it up? Well, I'd only very recently heard of it for the first time. I actually read about it in a book that we've previously reviewed, the one where the librarian writes love letters to and breakup notes to her books. Oh, yeah, Dear Fahrenheit um, 451 yes, by Annie Spence. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so all over this. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I loved that book. And one of the books that she talked about was this one. And the letter that she writes to Big Stone Gap basically starts out, Dear Big Stone Gap, 
where have you been all my life? <laughs> um, and she talks about how working at the library, people are always taking out this, I think it's a series of three books um, and doing it again and again. And they, people love this book. And she said that one day she came across someone who was kind of had taken it off the shelf and was in clearly quite an uncomfortable position physically, but had opened the book and started reading it and couldn't stop. And so it was kind of half crouched there. Right. And, and probably um, busting for the toilet. Yeah, and, but yeah. like just couldn't put it down. And she was like, okay, I have to read this book. Um, and I think the fact that she talked about, you know, the character who's this strong female character, self-proclaimed town spinster, her name's Ave Maria Mulligan. I think just with those two things alone, like spinster and Ave Maria, I was like, eh, hey, you've got me. And, you know, small town America is really fun and it's set in the 70s. And yeah, so I was like, okay, I definitely have to read this book. Okay. Well, when I hear a book described as heartwarming, I either think it's going to be delightful or it's going to be completely schmaltzy. Oh yeah. So which one is it? Oh, it's delightful. I think I um I was I was looking because I haven't seen the movie. There is a movie from 2014 mm. with and Ashley Judd and Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I've um, seen the poster. The poster. It, yeah. it, it, it does look schmaltzy. I have, I have read say. a review that said that the movie yeah. is quite sentimental and just a bit cheesy yeah definitely Mm -hmm. whereas the book has this kind of charm and sass and stuff that is not like that and it's quite um you know earthy in some ways like the characters are really not perfect and people are quirky slash a bit crazy but also you know there are the the local coal mines are threatening to close and you know, Ave Maria finds out that her in this in the first chapter, so it's not really a spoiler, that yeah. her father, who died some years ago, was not her real father and, you know, the whole town knows within five seconds of her finding out. And, right. Um she has she's kind of figuring out who she is. So like it could be cheesy, but because I think the characters have such traction with you and they're so interesting and like entertaining without being stereotypical yeah Yeah. exactly like they feel like real people and I wonder the about the extent to which they are real people in that the writer grew up in this town Big Stone Gap she hasn't even changed the name wow and I don't know yeah these are Real people? people? Yeah. Well, I think you do need in a small town story uh, a sort of a cast of enduring and sort of quirky characters, you know. Otherwise it would be boring, right? Yeah, that's right. And even though they are a bit strange, some of them, like there's a very non-judginess about it, you know, Mm -hmm. in spite of the gossipiness of a small town. So even like, you know, one of her best friends is Iva Lou Wade, who, you know, she describes as basically (laughs) – she says that she's um she's got being a woman down, right? Okay. She says if you painted her, she'd be sitting on a pink cloud with gold leaf edges showing a lot of leg. Like that gives <laughs> right. you a feel for the writing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, so Iva Lou is kind of the – she runs the town bookmobile. Oh, nice. So she drives around in the bookmobile and every guy in town is in love with her and she's a terrible flirt. And okay. That could be a character that you'd – dislike in a lot of ways mm. um, for the way she dresses or the way she acts. But, you know, Ave Maria, who's very different, a very kind of practical down to earth, you know, she's a pharmacist. She's chief of the rescue squad. She dresses in overalls rather than in skirts. Right. So she's a um, go-getter. You know, they're very different people, but yeah. they're really good friends. Yeah. And well, you couldn't hate someone who runs the bookmobile. Natasha, no, quite. You know, because <laughs> I lived in a town that had a bookmobile and, you know, we love the bookmobile. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's this like- is a very foreign concept to me. I don't oh, really. Well, because, in a, you know, if you don't really have any shops in your town,
down and then the library comes on wheels and it comes like once a week <laughs> or every two weeks. It's quite exciting when oh, the bookmobile rolls lovely. into town and everybody turns out. It's like a social event. Oh, I'm such a city girl. For the old ladies. <laughs> not, not many of the farmers come out for the bookmobile. Um, well, yeah. when Ivor Lou Wade is driving the bookmobile. Oh, the farmers come out. Everyone comes out for the bookmobile, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So what did you enjoy about this? Um, I loved the character of Ave Maria and, you know, sort of the gap between like how she obviously sees herself, she's the narrator, Mm. and how other people see her. So you've got that kind of um, unreliable narrator, narrative irony stuff going on, Um, even in uh, the way that she sees the men who feature Mm -hmm. in the novel. I liked the men. <laughs> okay. Good. I like, you know, the main guy is this guy called Jack Mack, Jack McChesney. He's like a coal miner and, you know, the sort of strong, silent type. And But he's also just really lovely, gentlemanly mm. guy. Oh, he sounds good. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's romance there, I assume. There is some romance involved. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving spoilers. Um, and really I just liked the town and um, I enjoyed the writing. It's not kind of – there were moments where I felt like either – it kind of skipped over things that I thought it would go into a lot more mm-hmm. or it took a lot longer over something that I thought it wouldn't. So it's kind of got a weird feel to it. Not everyone in my book club loved this, but okay. um, I enjoyed the characters and I thought it was funny enough that I really didn't mind. Okay. And so what would you, you know, compare it to? I think um, to me it feels a lot like the small town America version of like the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society book. You know, lots of people love that book. Yeah. Um, you know, it has that whole kind of these very eccentric characters who um, come together and, you know, get on well together despite how different they are and it's funny yeah. and, yeah, I think just even though, you know, that book's set in World War Two and is quite – quite a lot of distressing things happen mm, in it, mm, mm. you you do have that feeling of like, oh, this just makes me happy reading yeah. this book. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and it's I comforting. that way with Big Stone Gap. Well, that sounds great. Now, our next pick is a historical fiction series by Australian author Blanche d'Alpaget. Now, she was, of course, well known as Bob Hawke's biographer back in his ACTU days. Later, she did become his wife. She'd written a number of novels, uh, biographies and essays. And then after a break, she has returned to her love of fiction. So her birth at the Plantagenet series, it's been pitched as historical fiction for lovers of Wolf Hall and Game of Thrones. It's set back in the 12th century and is a story of vengeance, passion and political intrigue. That one reviewer said puts the story back into the history. I liked that. So Blanche d'Alpaget, she's a you know a pretty interesting character. She's had a fascinating life, and I can only imagine that that would enrich her writing. Yeah, I mean the thing about historical fiction, I guess, is that not that I know that much about her, mm. but you don't necessarily see any of her in this book, Um, it feels very much like you're in the 12th century and you have a very vivid sense of what life is like in the 12th century and, uh, like, it's quite immersive like that. I didn't – I wasn't thinking – Bob Hawke's wife wrote this book. No, that's good. Well, I mean, she. Well, I guess what I was saying when she's had a really rich life is she's travelled a lot. She's done a lot she's of spent different things. Spent a lot things. of time in Asia and yeah. yeah and I feel like that that gives her really. I mean, for a writer, I think that's great background to have because you understand all sorts of different types of perspectives um, in life. Now, these books, of course, 
as you said, they go right back in time and they focus on Henry II. What kind of character is he? Well, when the so I've read the first book so far in the mm-hmm. series, which is called The Young Lion, um, and at the start of that, Henry's quite young. At okay. the very beginning, he's like fourteen. I mean, one of the things that struck me about the book is how young everybody is, because I suppose people die younger, and so mm-hmm. you know, the first book is much more. You know, he's kind of growing up and wanting to retake the throne that his mother Matilda was denied. Um, so his grandfather Henry the First. Um, he wants to follow in his footsteps, but currently his uncle, his cousin Stephen is ruling in England. Um, so he's kind of, uh, he'll be the Duke of Normandy and Anjou. So he's in France. Um, and really the, most of the first book is about his father, Geoffrey, um, who is like, you know, the patriarch, but he's like 33 or something. When oh, right. Starts. Oh, wow. But you know, he's, he's old in this. Yeah, because people didn't live that long. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are lots of ways to die, um, as you discover (laughs) in the book, (laughs) in the 12th century. What I wanted to know. So 12th century, I don't know a lot about this kind of time period. Like, what was medieval Europe like back then? Mm. Yeah, I mean, based on this book, it was, uh, there's lots of... One review I said I read said it's all sex, slaughter, and subterfuge. Mm. So if she's right about it, that's what the twelfth century was like. <laughs> so everyone's kind of sleeping with everybody. Um, there's a lot of political intrigue and you know military engagements going on, shuffling about of power and dynasties. Um, and, yeah, lots of people lying about lots of things. <laughs> okay. So, look, yeah. all the intrigue, there's, uh, you know, there's the vengeance, there's the passion, but what's the focus of the novel? That's a good question. It might depend as to the reader as to what each okay. individual reader thinks the focus is. I mean, a lot of it is about Eleanor of Aquitaine, who at the time, in kind of 1149 at the start of the book, is... Um, the wife of Louis the seventh, I think. So a French one king? Of the, the king of France. Yeah. Yep. So she's the queen of France. Um, she's not so happy about that. Not oh. very happy in her marriage. Um, from the start is having an affair with our Geoffrey, um, mm. the Duke of Aquitaine, who is, you know, fully in love with her, but also kind of scheming for his son. And, you know, she has not had a son in the kind of 10 or 15 years of marriage um, with Louis. So she doesn't have an heir to the throne. There needs to be an heir to France. So there's all this kind of manoeuvring between church and state and can we annul this marriage and, oh. um, you know, who's kids is she having um given that she's not exactly faithful to her husband um of course the extra element when you're reading a novel like this is that obviously it's embellishing the history but all of this is history so I'm kind of fighting the urge to go and google who actually (laughs) ends up as king when and who ends up married to who and um because in fact in history Eleanor of Aquitaine who is having an affair with Geoffrey, um, ends up married to his son Henry II and she ends up Queen of England. Wow. Um, so that hasn't quite happened yet at the end of the first novel, but there's, you know, like a bit of manoeuvring in how you get from one spot to the other and what seems inconceivable mm. at the start of the novel. And did you find it happen. sort of hard to follow? Because when I watched Wolf Hall, the TV series, mm. I really struggled to keep up 
with the political machinations of yeah. that time. No, I didn't at all. And I think this is part of the gift of a novel like this. I don't read heaps of historical fiction and I haven't read Wolf Hall, sadly. Mm. Um, I'm sure I should. <laughs> right. But um, because they're such distinct characters and you see them interacting with each other, you're very clear on who is who. Okay. Um, and, and although that being said, um, she also does helpfully provide a family tree at the front of the book that Good. I okay. <laughs> looked at quite frequently trying to figure out and a cast of characters so okay. that you can figure out who belongs to who and who's related to who and all that kind of thing. Um, so what did you enjoy about this? I enjoyed getting a sense of 12th century life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm no medieval historian. I don't know how accurate it is. But she talks about things that, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to hear quite as much about um, 12th century toilets as right. she <laughs> puts in. But, you know, all that kind of detail of what uh-huh. life was actually like at the time um, and medical details, all of that kind of thing was quite um, vividly drawn. Mm. I appreciated that. Um I really liked the relationships as turbulent and, you know, um, disturbing as they sometimes were. And there's also, there's kind of a supernatural element through it, which is very understated, but just these kind of moments where you're like, oh, maybe there's kind of more going on here. There's Mm. still a kind of, um, especially, you know, some of the book is set in Scotland, um, and sort of the wilds of England and Wales and... The spiritual you know, elements. Yeah, this kind of almost druidic or, you know, people being able to communicate with animals or just kind of these little touches that maybe feel a little bit Game of Thrones or mm-hmm. um, just, I thought, kind of added to it, made it something extra. If you had the luxury of time, would you want to go on and read the rest of the series? Yeah, I think I will go on and read the series. I don't know how quickly I'll be able to, but mm. I really want to know what happens now. I mean, and I can Google that, right? Like I, I have been looking up the Plantagenets and the mm. Angevins and figuring out the succession and who's going to – but I want to know what happens to them personally, right? The because characters. Because obviously they're yeah. – like, yeah, I care about them as – fictional characters not just as historical figures although that being said looking at what happens to Henry later on you know from looking at Wikipedia Mm. his sons and his wife are gonna rise up against him and I'm a bit sad about that oh well look because you like Henry well it's a really good sign if you actually care about the characters yeah that is a sign of a great book it is yes this kind of brings me to our next uh, conversation point Natasha because you know if if caring about a character is a sign of a good book um you know what if it goes a step further than caring about them you know I want to talk about the idea of a a fictional crush. Now, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it's slightly odd, I know. Uh, but, look, women tend to read books with some romantic elements in it and it's only natural that from time to time you go, oh, I wish I could have a bit of that. <laughs> um, so have you ever had a fictional crush? I mean, you'd think so, right? Like, <laughs> I feel sure that I have and yet somehow I don't have – immediate ones that spring to mind. I mean, we do, like I have friends who we have at various times in our lives identified as various Austen characters and therefore everyone has the Austen hero that they prefer. That's, you know, there are a lot of girls I know who are Captain Wentworth 
girls. Well, Captain Wentworth um, is the logical choice. I personally was well, Mr. Darcy. Like I had well, a crush. Well, it's just that I'm a Lizzie, so yeah, I think you I, need a Darcy. It has to be Darcy. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I had a Darcy crush in school, uh-huh, and we actually uh-huh. used to refer to him as Mr. Darcy. Oh, right, a real person. Yes, so a guy that <laughs> okay. I had a crush on in real life. <laughs> right, that was kind of a Mr. Mr. Darcy oh, character. Yeah. Um, but you know, you evolve as you get older. Yeah, you're telling me I should have outgrown that. So. Well, I think. <laughs> Okay, okay, you go and then I'll tell you about mine. Okay. Well, if we're going with our fictional crush, like the one that I would have to go for would be Rochester from Jane Eyre. I think. Oh, who needs to evolve now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a grown up relationship. Well, it's just the fact. Okay, he's very flawed. I get that. His past is terrible. He'd probably have certain diseases. Don't you think um, he'd be abusive? Rochester? Yeah, don't you think he's kind of quite controlling and, you know, it's all very, like, dashing and romantic but also but this is my, a bit... Th- but this is my fantasy crush. Yeah, sure. This is sure, not sure, my sure. one I would marry in real yeah, life. Yeah, okay. But, but what I loved about him was his little speech where he said, you know, that I feel like if you were to leave that I would take to bleeding inwardly. I love how mm. expressive he was of his feelings. Yeah. But I agree. He's, he's a little messed up. Mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. but in real life, I suppose. Yeah. the mm-hmm. one I would actually fall for... Mm. Would be Dorsey from the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pill Pisces Zone. Oh, the quiet farmer. He's caring. He's kind. He's a bit reserved. He doesn't say exactly what he's thinking. That's the guy I would actually fall for. Mm, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, how personal are we going here? Like, are we, I, is your husband like Dorsey? Um, <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, everyone has a certain type yeah, that they tend sure, to. Sure. Notice, mm. and for me, it's the one that it's harder to get something out of often. Yeah, interesting. You know, because it's more. You know, you work harder for that little bit of. of <laughs> As opposed to Rochester, who uh, speaks in poetry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, you know, it's fiction. We're talking fiction. Well, who's uh, yours? Okay, well, so I was surprised that I struggled to think about of this so much, but you're right; it does end up being a type because I was thinking about how, you know, partly it's um, I was thinking of the Georgette Hire. Oh, men wow. who are very different kinds of guys, but they're always, the thing that they always are is they're very calm and capable. Oh, I like they're that. kind of like in control of the situation. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't really like Georgette higher heroes, but <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> There's going to be kindness there for me as well. That's, oh, that's yeah. the essential thing, Yeah, kindness. well, and I think, so yes. funny you should mention Guernsey because yeah. I – also think reading Big Stone Gap, I really liked Jack Mack. Not everybody in my book club did. They okay. were not that keen on him, which makes me think that they wouldn't necessarily like men that I like. Okay. But, like, <laughs> um, but, you know, he's kind of the strong, silent, practical type. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. That's so. very like Dorsey from Guernsey. Yeah. I mean, it is. But I feel like reading Guernsey, you don't really feel that the first time around. You just think he's like it's surprising that they end up together. I the guess. first time you read that book because yeah. you don't really realise that that's what Dorsey is like well, until you don't quite a long way through the book. think he feels for her. You kind well, of you can just see her feeling for him. you think he's a bumpkin farmer. You legit do. I think <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the letters there's no indication that he's, you know, like actually quite deep. Yeah. Yeah, and profound. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So you're right, digging, digging for gold. Ah, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I think we need another fictional hero. I think, I think, or oh, if this is telling us anything, it's that yeah. he, he hasn't been written yet. Well, 
there are there is a lot of potential here. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on to my pick for this episode, Natasha, and mm, I have been it. reading The Lost Man by Jane Harper. Yeah, you're all across the Jane Harper. I haven't read any yet. Yeah, so she's a new Australian author. So her first book was The Dry. was a murder mystery. It only came out like a couple of years ago um, and it made a big splash. And look, I read it. I enjoyed it. But I was also like, what's all the fuss about? You know, <laughs> like it was like fairly conventional murder mystery. It starts with a body. Then there's a the cop with a past who blows through town, you know, happens to be there for the funeral secrets all come out um, it was really well structured and it was a great page turner i feel um, like if you don't super enjoy the novel of someone's that you've read like i, t- I tend not to go on and read another one of theirs well i i liked it i uh-huh. enjoyed reading it and it was really well plotted um but i guess the thing for me the deal breaker was that the writing was nothing special like mm-hmm. it was, it was mm-hmm. fine, but it was, wasn't noticeable. If you know and what yet I mean. you went and read this one. Yeah, I went and read this. Well, it was partly because my book club did it, but it okay. was partly because I knew it would be a good, easy read as well. Like mm-hmm. I did enjoy reading the dry, but I just didn't get why people were so nuts about it. So in between um, the dry and this one, there was another book, Force of Nature, and people generally said, "Oh yeah, it was okay, not as good as the dry." Um, this one, though, The Lost Man, I really enjoyed. Oh. Um, so for me, one of the key differences was the dry was set in a small rural town during a drought and you know people kind of raved about oh how well she captured that small town thing but for me as someone who did grow up in a small town I was like no no she didn't <laughs> she didn't quite nail it for me it to, it, it to me it read like an outsider looking at a small town yeah. not someone who actually grew up in one so that that for me didn't quite ring true but this was I think with this one it was a step up like I felt like she really nailed the outback setting so it said in outback Queensland um You know, in the whole book, there was probably only one or two expressions that she got that weren't quite right, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Where the lexicon was just slightly off. She's not Australian originally. She was English. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's been here for maybe, I don't know, five to 10 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But she got these little details of outback life, like the cool room, you know, the generator being turned off at night, uh, the little cabins, or we used to call them dongers, that surround the homestead where the backpackers stay. Those kind of little aspects of the outback. Um, life, which the way they use the two way radios, that kind of thing. Yeah. And is it a murder mystery again? Well, this is interesting. It's sort of a murder mystery. It's huh? a little bit less conventional in that there is a body, yes. Um, there is someone responsible. It's not a murder in the straightforward way. Wow, this is very cryptic. It's, it doesn't have a detective, there's no right. cop. There's just the main character. So we're sort of on a journey with the main character. But it's not just about solving the mystery. There's all this personal growth as well that's going on. So that makes it different to the conventional murder mystery for me. Like he does investigate, he does solve the mystery, but it's as much about reconciling with the past as it is about getting the outcome. So it's about understanding what's led them to where they're at, if you know what I mean. So So I like that. do you think I should read it? If I was telling someone, I would say start with this one, as in I think the writing's stronger and I felt she owned the characters a lot more. Yeah, I'd say read it for sure. I mean, if the only complaint I probably had about it, if I have to find one, 
is that maybe it kind of all wrapped up a bit too quickly. Like yeah, the the last, I'd say, nine to ten chapters all take place within a 24-hour period from Christmas Eve to sort of after Christmas lunch. And in that time, like literally everything gets resolved. Oh, that's really almost. interesting. Though. I mean, it feels longer, but when you look back, you're like, that'll happen in a day, you know? Um, <laughs> Some days are more eventful. Than well, <laughs> it's Christmas. This can happen when everyone's in a you know, close-quartered environment. I mean, I read it in a week, which for me, without much time, is quick. You know, it's just a good holiday read. Yeah, it's fun. Great. Yeah. Very Aussie, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that wraps up uh, this edition of the Hope Book Club. In this episode, we've reviewed Big Stone Gap by Adriana Trigiani, The Young Lion by Blanche Dalpoget, and The Lost Man by Jane Harper. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Email bookclub at hopemedia.com.au. And thanks for listening to the Hope Book Club because life's just better with a book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.